This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Uh, our guest today is Principal Linda Clyde Wayman, who is the principal of Strawberry Mansion uh, High School in North Philadelphia. Principal Wayman, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Uh, and, and joining me in interviewing her uh, is my friend and colleague Marie-Christine Balabanian, uh, who is a Wharton alum and also the founder of Nurture Networks in San Francisco. Uh, MC, thank you for joining us thank in this conversation. You. Thank you for having me. So, uh, uh, Principal Weeman, the uh, uh, very first question that I've been very curious about is how did you get inspired to become a teacher? Was it a person or a situation that led you into teaching? Well, it was actually a situation. Uh, I went to Simon, mm, I, I don't want to say the name of high school, but I went to a high school there in Philadelphia, um, and the high school was not a very good one. And so when I was there, I would always talk about... Uh, I used to always run home to my mother to say, Mom, but I'm not learning anything. They're not teaching me anything, Mom. And so she said, well, I don't really understand that. You had always gone to great schools up to grade 8, and you decided to go to the school in your neighborhood. So why is the school so terrible? I said, Mom, you had to come and see it. We're not learning anything. And so I went to college thinking that at first I was going to go into criminal justice. And then when I was there in college, I realized that I was not prepared for college. And it was so hard for me there. And a lot of my friends, who also come from Philadelphia, actually fell out of school. And that's when I decided that I wanted to go back to be a teacher because I never wanted anyone else to go to college the way I did. And that's how I became a teacher. Mm-hmm. How did uh, you end up at uh, Strawberry Mansion? <laughs> oh, well, again, I was assistant superintendent for high schools. And it was my job to find the principal that would take over Strawberry Mansion after the merger of three schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strawberry Mansion is a very, and it sits in a very dangerous neighborhood. And so after two national searches, I could not find a principal. And so I looked at all 52 of my other principals and said, well, I'll just move someone out of their school to Strawberry Mansion. And that yielded one candidate. And I brought her into the office and I said, I have to move you to Strawberry Mansion. And she lifted up her shirt and displayed a small device. And I said, well, what is that? She said, it's a heart monitor. She said, I will go, but it may kill me. Mm-hmm. And so I was right back to where I started. And so one day I was walking into the school district building. And I was so depressed about it because I could not find a principal. And I was very scared. I was frightened for the kids, the community. And I actually heard a voice. And a voice said, you go. And I actually stopped. And I said, and I even said, me go. I actually said it out loud because it was just that, the voice was just that clear. And I said, you go, me go. And so I actually went back to the office and I thought about it as I was walking to my office. I said, oh my goodness, this is why I can't find the principal. I am the principal. And then the next day I resigned. And that's how I got the strawberry manager. So it sounded like you were actually quite terrified yourself of how rough some of these rival neighborhoods had become. Absolutely. What gave you the courage, the resolve to make a positive difference? I think I just cared enough 
Um, and everyone did think I was crazy. They say, why would you go in there? There's nothing you can do with that. Why would you leave your job to go there? And then I realized that I had been through some of these experiences before. It was my not my first time being a principal. Mm-hmm. I realized I knew the community. And, and I realized I always did have courage to address difficult situations. And so I thought about, I was a person that was prepared for it the most of anybody I could find. And so I just took a deep breath and went in there and realized when I got there and what I saw was so unbelievably terrible mm-hmm. that it would take someone, not, not saying that I was special, but at least someone that cared enough to try to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought I, I, didn't, I didn't go in thinking I could do it. I went in thinking that I had to do it, mm-hmm. that I had to do it. So you you described it as a really difficult situation. Can you tell us exactly what the situation was and how did you deal with it? Wow, that's a big question. But it it was so many things. Like from the beginning, the school, right on down to the school schedule wasn't correct. The classes they were rostering the kids to was not correct. The students refused to go in the classroom at all, just wouldn't go in the room at all. I couldn't understand why they wouldn't go in the room, and it was because the teachers didn't want them in the room, actually, to be honest with you. And the only reason why I would say that is because they told me the story. And they said, well, Miss, I said, guys, you have to go to class to get your work done. You cannot walk the halls. And they said, well, there's no need to do that. And I said, well, why? They said, well, they gave me my packet. And I said, what packet? They said, Miss Wayman, you go on Monday, you pick up your packet of work, and you bring it back on Friday and that would get your grade. So it's no need to go. Mm. I couldn't believe it. Mm. So, the, so it was the students who had low expectations. It was the staff that had low expectations. And when I finally figured out what it was, it was that everybody in the building had no hope. Mm. Everybody expected it to be that way. Nobody expected anything different. So the students just went along with what they expected. Mm-hmm. So it was just one, that, but the biggest thing was the level of violence that was in the school. The massive fights, threats against the teachers, threats against the support staff, the um, drug issues, um, bringing drugs into the building. It was just a lot. Everything you can imagine was happening all at one time. Mm-hmm. But it was because they, expect, they did not expect anything else. No one did. So the kids just went along with their expectation. Mm. So it sounds like you walked into an environment of hostility and unfortunately resigned hope. Mm -hmm. How did you go about trying to spark that within the teachers, within the students? And did you start to see patterns of influence, positive influence start to to emerge? Absolutely. Well, I I think I went in with a very open mind. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I talked about with the staff is about my expectations, about what was going to happen here, Mm -hmm. about how we were going to create an environment for the students, no matter how they, you know, no matter what, uh, how they felt about the students' abilities, we were going to create the best environment here possible. So I talked to the staff about that, and I said to them, well, listen, I understand they have a lot of challenges. I understand all the problems. I've heard them all. I've researched them all. You've told me them all. But now, again, so what, now what? Mm -hmm. So what, now what? 
but we have to do something. And if you don't think this is the place for you, then you have to go somewhere else. And so that's how I started the conversation. Then after that, I, I told them about, you know, they would tell me things, the things they're not supposed to do because of their contract, and we're not doing that. Um, and so I actually researched the contract, and I found ways to say, oh, the contract doesn't say you can't do that. This is what the contract says. So I had to teach them about their own contract. Right. So it was about getting my own knowledge to try to figure out how to go around the system. And then I just talked to the students about what I expected. And I did tell them this story once. Uh, it, they were just so out of control. And they came into the auditorium. Oh, I had never seen anybody enter auditorium that way, jumping over the seats, running around. I just I had never seen anything <laughs> like that. And so finally I had to tell them this story about this is my house, this is not your house. One day, I want it to be our house, but today is mine. I don't tell you what to do at your house, and you don't tell me to do it mine. You follow the rules in your house, and you're gonna follow the rules in my house. Mm -hmm. And I had to have that conversation with them, and then they sort of looked at me crazy, and like, oh, I can relate to this, mm -hmm. because some things my mother's not gonna allow in her house either. And I said, I'm not gonna allow them in here either. And that's so it was like a having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with everyone. You can leave. You don't have to stay. But you're going to have to follow the rules that we set here. And that's where it started with rules and consequences. That's where it started. Hmm. So in order to bring about change in such a difficult situation, uh, you obviously need leadership skills. Uh, what skills did you find you needed the most, and how did you develop them in yourself? If someone asked me the number one skill that I had to have, it was courage. If you consider it a skill, I consider it a skill. It was courage because there's no way that I could have make any change there if I was afraid to talk to anyone about anything. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much the problem. Um, no one had ever told the adults in the building what they was but they couldn't, could not do. So courage was one. So, so if you talk about courage as a skill, mm -hmm. it's something that improves with practice. Mm -hmm. Can you explain how you develop that among within yourself? I think what I do is I, 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 I focus on learning about a lot of different things, and I study, and I research a lot of things before I even start. I'm not going to approach anybody with something I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I research it, and I study it, and I teach myself about all kinds of things so that when I'm speaking to people about things, that I'm, I'm, I'm more versed enough in the matter that it takes my fear away. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you're fearful, it's because you just don't know enough. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much, you know, that's actually how I got on the, you know, I took the same type of, um, same type of pattern when I went to TED. I was, I was totally afraid of that. But I studied, and I learned, and I practiced. Mm -hmm. So that's usually what I do to get rid of, of my fear, I mean, get rid of fear and to develop my courage. My courage. It takes quite a, a lot of courage just to dream, and it sounds like you were the first amongst your teachers mm -hmm. to paint the vision of success. Absolutely. This is what that dream looks like. That's right. They saw it, they had the reactions that you, you had done your research to debunk or to, to help them navigate the change. Did you at any point start to feel any 
overwhelming sense that this may be above the cut. This may be too much to handle. This may be more than one person can accomplish alone. Mm -hmm. And when you had that moment, how did you move through it and just get stuff done? Well, actually, I had that moment actually before the school even opened. Mm. As I was reading about Strawberry Mansion and all of the crime and the violence, then, before the school doors opened in September, I had that moment. Mm. And so I contacted people mm. to help me, that I knew, that I thought could help me. I knew I needed help. There's no way I could have done it. And I knew I needed unconventional help. Mm-hmm. So actually, I contacted uh, the Attorney General's office. Um, and I said to them, I'm going to need help. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know really what I was, why I contacted them. I just figured mm-hmm. it was, it was just so violent, so much violence in that area yeah. that I was going to need some people that was going to be different and maybe they had some sort of program. I had no idea what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And they came out, um, one of the executive directors, um, came out to speak to me about what we can do to try to make Strawberry Mansion safe because they were already in the area doing some surveillance work. Mm-hmm. And so he put in a program for me. And when I real, again, when I realized I was over my head mm-hmm. is when we had an assembly program that he had brought in on nonviolence. Mm-hmm. And the program was about the Caliban shooting. Wow. Believe it or not, it was about the Caliban shooting and how that was inappropriate. And I really didn't know where they were going with this program mm-hmm. on nonviolence. But the one thing that really made me actually cry mm. was when it was some sort of simulation of the shooting in Columbine. It was like they were actually in this video shooting people. And all of my students erupt into laughter. Oh my gosh. I was in shock. And I stood there in tears and said to myself, oh my God, if they find this funny, then what am I going to do? And so I called them all to the room, a, a group of like a group of students, and I said, I, I need to know, I need to know why you find that funny. And they said to me, We see that every day. Mm. You thought that was something, Miss Wayman? Mm. That's nothing compared to what we see every day and every night. And that's when I said, Oh my God, this is going to be a challenge. This is going to be a challenge because these students. They are just scarred, and I'm going to have to get some healing done. And the only way I could figure that out was to provide some hope. And to do that, I had to provide them with other experiences to counteract what they've already seen. And that's what I I started out doing. What other experiences helped them heal? Oh, oh, just taking them out of the community. Mm -hmm. I had to get them out of the community and see something different, especially when you have... 11, 12th graders who lived down the street from the Philadelphia Zoo and never been to the zoo. Mm. Never been to the zoo. Live right down the street. So we took trips everywhere to every college campus you could imagine. We've taken them to every, every place the kids wanted to go. We raised money and took them there, even when they didn't want to go. We brought in a, a bunch of mentors. We got trauma training from certain people, from different people. Um, we, anybody that wanted to come in and volunteer, we allowed them to. They brought a special program that would help even just one child. So we had to teach them that people were interested in them mm-hmm. and they were invested in them and they were not in this world alone because they didn't know that. Mm. They didn't know it. So through the experiences and different people working with them, 
they begin to see themselves like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe I can see something different. Maybe I can do something different. And that's how we started. Was that a journey of self-acceptance for them? And do you feel that that would have been possible without the unconditional love that you speak of that invited them to try these new experiences? I think it was a lesson in for them realizing that they would have to embrace perseverance, Mm -hmm. that all of the things that had happened to them were never going to go away, Mm -hmm. that they were there, and they had to learn to live with it and move past it. Mm -hmm. And the only way for them to do that was to constantly keep telling them that I loved them. Mm -hmm. If nobody ever told you, I love you, and you can do it, and you want to, yes, all of these horrible things have always already happened to you. And Ms. Wayman can't take them away. Mm-hmm. And so I said the same thing to them. So what? Now what? <laughs> what can we do together to get past this? And so realizing, to, that letting them, as like you said, self-accepting that this is my experience. This is my journey. I can't change the journey. But I can live with the journey and use it to push me forward. And I think that's what we have instilled in the children, that you don't have to waddle in your despair. You can use it to push it forward. Mm-hmm. We done. What, what are the biggest challenges your students face today, and how, how are you helping them overcome them? Wow, there are still so many. You know, they, the stories you hear are just awful, awful stories. So again, the one thing we try to instill in them again is a set of core values of just guys, listen, you're always going to need someone to help you. There's nothing wrong with a handout. There's nothing wrong with asking for assistance. Understanding perseverance. Understand you got to stay focused. Understand there are a lot of things that are going to stand in your way. And so what we constantly do, to be honest with you, is just keep talking to them. Mm -hmm. And it really is, that's really the only thing you can do is show them experiences and talk to them Mm -hmm. and let them see and hear a different way. So I hope I answered your question, but that's pretty much what we do on a daily basis. And it's all, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to get them, but this is the way you have to look at it. The way you're looking at it is not really healthy for you. And it's difficult. And I have to talk to my young men about a lot of things, about the law, about staying on task, about minding their business, staying focused. But it's just talking and experiences that's our biggest thing at Strawberry Mansion. What can we show them different? I hope I answered your question. It's a great question. And and as our communities can easily define our own perceptions of ourselves, and you bring them into these new experiences that allow them to question, is that really me? Is that my identity? Has that changed the dynamic between the community within the school and beyond the school? And is are the positive, is the positive impact of that starting to show throughout the wider community? Oh, good question. The school environment, you just wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. It's just so different. Mm-hmm. And so it has, you know, I ever, before I even got here, I received an email from one of my teachers. And she said, you know, Ms. Wayman, we just had our town hall meeting that I speak about a lot about our town hall meeting. We have time for the kids to sit and talk in that question. And she said, you know, Ms. Wayman, it was just so beautiful to see them today, so much growth. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, in them and how they even interact with each other in the auditorium, how they're able to run their own performances now. We don't have to do it anymore. And they were so well behaved. And she was saying, I, I wish that, you know, more schools in Philadelphia would realize the importance of these programs. Mm -hmm. And so I know it has spread within the school, outside the community also. Mm -hmm. When we left, the, when the other day we had election day and we were all leaving, my staff and I, and they were all the people from the polls were outside. Mm -hmm. And one gentleman stood up and said, listen, guys, we have to give these kids, these, this staff a round of applause. We have to thank these people because because of them, we don't have that confusion mm -hmm. that we used to have on the way home from school. Mm -hmm. You can keep your business open. We have to thank these people. So I know it's starting to spread, mm -hmm. but it's a long journey. But it, that felt good to realize the people from the community had noticed how hard we're working. So I hope it answered your question. You did, that's I think we could probably uh, keep talking with you all day, but I think we have time for the last couple of questions. Okay. So uh, maybe I'll ask one, and then I'll leave it to MC okay. to ask the final one. Okay. Uh, what do you think other leaders in the education world can learn from your experience? Ooh. Well, the one thing they have to learn from my experience is they have to lead. There are a lot of school leaders who do not realize that it is their job to lead, that they wait for someone else to come in and do it for them. You get all these stories about what central office is supposed to do. No, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait. No, 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 no. What happens in your school depends on your leadership. You are in control of what happens in that building. It's all you're in, within your control. And a lot of school leaders really that I've come across don't really understand that it's their role. They really think they play second fiddle to this big organization like called Central Office is going to come run the school for them. And I have to teach them that Central Office is support. They're not the leadership. They're in control of what happens. You get the last question. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so, so building on that, given that you give so much of yourself yeah. to lead, how do you refuel yourself so that you can welcome, give the generosity and welcome the recognition of that generosity and continue to leave it even harder with stronger heart? Wow. Well, really, I, the way I, I actually re-energize myself and, re, and get renewed in this business is that I tell myself that because I'm working this hard mm -hmm. and because I believe in what I'm doing, that I get the opportunity to save somebody's life. And so saving their lives, knowing that how important this work is, and that if I didn't do it, it could be it could turn out bad for someone. So I, I take great pride in, Linda, you're helping to save someone's life. So I do exercise. I try to eat good. But just knowing that I help one more person escape mm -hmm. poverty, whew, especially when you come from poverty yourself, feel real good. You feel real good. Principal Bibbon, thank you thank very you. much for speaking thank with Knowledge at Wharton. Thank you very much. Thank My you, privilege. guys. I appreciate you asking me to be here. I appreciate it. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.